Welcome to Deep Dive MH370, Episode 6, Reboot Redux. I'm Andy Tarnoff from On Milwaukee, and I'm joined by Jeff Wise, aviation journalist and MH370 scholar. I hope you're okay with me calling you that, Jeff. Love it. <laughs> Love it. Thank you, Andy. It's great to be back here with you again. Episode 6, we're tearing through them. we got a lot to cover, but I feel like we're covering at a good pace. Um, we are not doing what we promised viewers we were going to do last time. Um, we said we were going to get into the second uh, set of the metadata, the, uh, the FO, the burst frequency offset data. So instead, what happened was that we got some feedback from uh, listeners, from one listener in particular, who really made us think, okay, this is, this is an important point. Let's respond. Uh, let's be flexible. Let's try to deal with this topic that came up. Now, basically what happened was... Um, on Twitter, uh, a very re respected MH370 expert named Victor Ianello um, called into question some of the one of the statements that we made. In a, yeah, in a and we should episode. point out that this is the reason that this is almost live. We're doing these just a few days before right. they actually run because this way we can take audience feedback or industry feedback and we can address it. So even if it means we have to slow things down a little bit because we were on a pretty breakneck pace last week, uh, I think it's really important yeah. that we talk about what Victor said to you. So, so Victor runs an engineering company in Virginia yeah. called Radiant Physics, and he was one of the early members of a group called the Independent Group, which you were a part of until you right. got kicked out, and I'm sorry about that. I got kicked out. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. <laughs> so he, he, he did. Should we say a little bit about what that is? Have we talked about that? We've talked that about it exactly? a little bit, but give me a, a tiny bit of background, and then I want to read this tweet, and I want you to reply, because I think it speaks to, uh, to where we're going with this entire thing. So when the plane disappeared, um, there were a lot of journalists who were covering it, and basically the the officials would say something, and the reporters would just parrot it back and say, and, and but the reporters had no idea what was underlying the things that the officials were saying. And... People who had technical backgrounds um, were hearing this and, and trying to puzzle out, well, what do they really mean? Um, and particularly when it came to the Inmarsat data, like they were making certain claims about that they that they were able to deduce something about where the plane had gone because of this data. But but for the layman or the, even the technically educated layman who's hearing this stuff doesn't know what they're talking about. And so people came together and started to share information and ideas and expertise. And we got these little kind of like a, little beehive of volunteers all um, sharing information on my website, jeffwise.net, and others, a guy named Duncan Steele. Um, later, Victor himself has, has a website that's still active today. People are sharing ideas, asking questions, um, you know, creating scenarios, proposing solutions where the plane went and so forth. And um, this was called the Independent Group, and it did some really groundbreaking work. And in fact, in the final report that the Australian government issued, they thanked the independent group specifically and some of the members by name. But as you alluded to earlier, I had long since been kicked out of the independent group. And the reason why they kicked me out is that I was proposing some alternative explanations from this, some of this data, and they thought that was beyond the pale. So they didn't. Yeah, let me read that. this tweet that he posted after okay. watching a couple of, of our episodes um, because it's worth talking about. So he says, but just let me say this one thing before you read it, which is that so Victor is still a member of Good Standing, a key member of the independent group, very highly respected within um, the MH370 community, well respected by the officials who have spent hundreds of millions of dollars looking for the plane. 
Um, so he, this is, I would say, Victor kind of represents like the mainstream. Yeah, this is a smart guy. This guy's not saying UFOs, uh, you know, absconded with it. He said, uh, he said, yeah. you are still claiming okay. that B triple seven pilots don't know how to power down the SDU, but that's only because it's part of the SATCOM, which they do know how to isolate. We've explained this to you many times, but you seem to forget. Just read this past thread. And he's responding to right. a thread that says, if anybody claimed that the SATCOM transponder in ACARS cannot be disabled from the cockpit, that is completely wrong. And we've known that for years. The series might be engaging, but it doesn't seem to be accurate. Well, at least right. they're saying that right. we're engaging. I like that part. <laughs> well, of course, I want to try to be accurate. I want to address why people think it's inaccurate. So I want to kind of break down what are we talking about here and sort of slow down a little bit and try to address it. Now, whether it will be to Victor's satisfaction or not, I don't know, but I want to try. Okay. And so we, Victor disagrees with me because I'm saying that something that happened that we know happened because the Inmarsat data encodes it. I'm saying that that is pretty strange. And he's saying it's not that strange. Okay. So I mean, and, and, and let me sort of say, and by way of context, that Victor might be right. I don't think that Victor is 100% necessarily wrong. I think that there are two hypotheses that explain the data that we have about MH370. I think, and, and if anyone who's seen the Netflix documentary will know what those two are, because I explained them in the first two episodes. Um, one is that the plane went south into the, into the ocean. That's the mainstream view. That's what Victor believes. That's what the IG believes. Um, and the other, um, we'll get into more later, uh, people know probably. No, we have me. to talk about but, it. We have to at least mention the fact that your theory is that the plane went okay. north. And we are discounting so, right. the theory uh, from Florence uh, in the Netflix docu documentary that the right. CIA shot it down. Because that, 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 so, that, that's, right. just, that's just a theory that, that, that people want to be true, but the science isn't supporting it one way or the other. And some science proves it goes north and some or asserts it goes south and some science asserts that it goes north. My personal view of the, the whole MH370 theoretical world is that there's three kinds. There's three like zones, right? The first zone being the, the victor zone, which is people who look at the data, know what they're talking about, take the data very seriously and have built a model that incorporates that data in a way that they feel is the most convincing. And that has the plan going south. There, another zone is people like Florence who have a deep conviction that that something happened. The evidence doesn't really match it, but they're comfortable just ignoring the evidence that doesn't match it. Um, I feel like if you're going to if you're comfortable ignoring all the Inmarsat data, which I think is like 90 percent of the data that we have about this plane, there's really no way to grapple with it in a scientific way. Um, you're just you believe what you think. And I believe it's almost like a religion. OK, not to denigrate religion, but you can't I can't argue. You can't that prove being it. Being a Muslim is you can't prove it. Or rather than being a Christian. It's like there's no there's no arguing. Um, so then the third would be me, which is like, I think I look, I think I also take the data very seriously, but unlike Victor, I think that there is another way to explain the data that we have in hand. And 
I am kind of a lonely voice on this. Um, I obviously feel strongly enough about it that I feel like it's worth having a podcast where we explain in detail. But I hope that people can listen to this entire podcast and come away with like, I still think Jeff's wrong, but I think he has explained the data in a way that is comprehensive. So I do want to take a short pause. And so that's why I want to have this episode. Yeah, I mean, huh? I want to take a short pause on this because in between us recording these episodes, I'm listening to a lot of other podcasts. I'm reading and reading and reading and watching. And I still don't really know with complete conviction that your theory is the right one. And I guess my question is, you don't need do to we have. Do we yeah. have the same bias that Florence or Victor has? Or do you think that there's a possibility that you might be wrong? I square one is uh, is my fundamental premise is I could be wrong. My job is not here to convince you that the plane went north. My, my, what I really want to do and what I hope is the ultimate goal of this podcast isn't con to convince you that it went north, but to give the listener or the viewer a sense that they know the level of detail necessary to really grapple with this case in a productive way. Because I think you're, you've been, you've been, you're just telling me that you're going around the web and you're reading and listening to a lot of things that people are saying about this case. I would wager that none of these, not a single one of them, talks about how do you depower and repower satellite data unit. And that is Am I correct? You're absolutely correct. That is a detail okay. that seems to be glossed over, despite the fact that it's right. public knowledge, or at least it's semi-public knowledge. And that is the whole point of this episode, because we are going to now right. talk about something which I, you have two different analogies that I like. One is the, the TV analogy and one is the Irish goodbye. Right. And we'll explain, we'll explain <laughs> okay. why it's both, both, both okay. fitting, all right? Because at, okay. at 1721, the plane went electronically dark. Everything gets switched off, including right. the SATCOM. And then like right. an hour later, it comes back on. This is right. what the, this is right. the data that we need to on. talk about, because this will make right. the rest of it make sense. People say to me, your theory is crazy. And I say, well, what do you think is a good theory? And they're like, I don't know. And I'm like, OK, well, what we need to do is come up with a theory that explains the data at hand. And if we have to get crazy, we have to get crazy. And unfortunately, I think you have to get crazy. And it's easy to say, well, I think it was a hero pilot who was trying to save the plane from an electrical fire. And I say, okay, well, how is the STU turned off and turned back on again? And you're like, I don't know. I don't care. I'm like, you have to care. This is a complicated technical mystery. And if you can't grasp the details, you can't explain it. It's like if your car doesn't start and I say, well, do you have a diesel or a gasoline? And you'll say, doesn't I don't matter. know. And I'm like, there's not much I can yeah. do for you. I, like, the, the, the idea that I keep coming back to is explanatory depth. You have to be able to grasp the level, the, the technical depth of the data that you're working with. And so, so I think that today's episode is really going to demonstrate that point very cleanly and clearly. All right, let's get really deep into the STU. Because the way it was turned off <laughs> and the way it was turned back on is incredibly relevant. Right. Please explain it to okay. me. Okay. Okay. So Victor's idea is that it's completely reasonable that the pilot would turn off the satellite communication system because he probably was trying to get away as sneakily as possible and didn't want anyone in the back to use the SATCOM phone that is in the cabin. Right. So anybody who's like, oh, somebody's stealing our plane. We're not going to Beijing. We're going the other way. This worries me. I'm going to call the police or whoever. I'm going to lift up the phone and make a call. The pilot doesn't want that to happen. So he is going to turn off the SATCOM. Okay, this is where the details yes. matter. There is a way to turn off the SATCOM easily from the yes. cockpit. You there's, a little, there's a little screen in front of you. 
called the CDU and you select a SATCOM and you basically deselect it. It's like turning off your television. And it's like turning off your television in this way. When you are, well, let me ask you, Andy, you have a television like I that. I do. And you sometimes want to turn it off, I bet. I do. What do you do when you want to turn it off? Yeah, I know the answer to this one because even before even before <laughs> we talked about this, I've already read, like, I remember the people who said, like, if you really want to turn your TV off, you have to unplug it right. because it's still using energy. Right. It's not really off. Right. It's like putting your computer to sleep. Okay. It's not really turning it off. Right. That's exactly right. right. That's it. So you flip, you, you push the red button on your controller, the screen goes, goes into dark. standby. It's off, quote unquote, it's off, but it's not really off. It still has power going to it. And so that's not what happened to MA370. Why? Because if that had been done, then the plane would have sent a signal to the satellite saying, I'm logging off. Goodbye. Yeah, it would have been another breadcrumb. That didn't happen. They didn't receive like that signal. Poof, gone. So off. it went poof. It went poof. And so what the authorities who, and the InmarSat scientists who looked at this data concluded was that the the system was actually depowered and specifically a box within the satellite communication system called the SDU or the satellite data unit actually had the power cut. Now, how would you do that? There's probably a simple way to do that. There's probably an on-off button. No, there is not an on-off button. There's an easy way to do it and a hard way to do it. The easy way to do it in terms of like how procedurally complicated it is you go, you leave the cockpit, you go into the first class cabin, there's a carpet near the toilet, and you pull the carpet up and there's a hatch. The hatch is unlocked. You open the hatch, you go down into the hatch, and sort of on the left, and actually we can patch in some video yeah. of this, um, of the what it's like to go down into this thing. And, and there's circuit breakers there, you pull three circuit breakers, and boom, the box is depowered. Now, is this problematic from the pilot hijack scenario? Yes. Why? Because he said goodnight, Malaysia Emirates 370, and a minute later everything goes dark. Does he have time to like run down into the into the, the the compartment and pull the circuit breakers? Probably not. So there's another way to do it that somehow seems to a lot of people a lot more likely. And this involves reaching overhead. There's a lot of circuit breakers, and you start pulling circuit breakers. Now if you pull one circuit breaker to depower the satellite, uh, the, the, okay, so, the, so the, what you're doing is you can't, from the cockpit, just turn off that one box. What you have to do is isolate an entire half of the electrical, um, the AC electrical system. It's called the left AC bus. And this has the satellite data unit on it. It has a lot of other stuff as well, some of it which is quite interesting. So you have to speculate, well, maybe he was trying to depower something else and this thing got caught as a, as a thing. But the point being, you have to turn off. So it's, it's, it's not like unplugging your, your television. It's like going down into your basement and pulling the circuit breakers for your entire ground floor. It's a pretty sophisticated you're, you're, you're uh, <laughs> switch flipping, if you want, the desired it's effects. A, it's Right. Well, it's sophisticated. Well, it's brute, well, all, brute strength, the, but it's also sophisticated. It's yeah, the, the, it's brutal. You're turning off half the like the plane's entire electrical system, and then it's also sophisticated because why? Because if you try to isolate the left hand of the left AC bus, basically there's a system within the triple seven called the electrical load management system or ELMS, and it will reconnect it. It's going to do anytime you try to reconnect it, it will try to reconnect it back. 
And so you're going to have to pull like six or seven circuit breakers in order to actually make this thing as dead as you want it to be, because the plane does not want yeah, it. Yeah, Boeing to. is not real fond of people being able to just willy-nilly start disconnecting its electrical systems. So not only do pilots, no. generally speaking, not know how to do this stuff, that's on purpose because right. Right. they don't want this very thing to happen. Right, exactly. And so the the sort of the, the word, uh, the byword in Boeing aircraft engineering is redundancy, right? They want everything. If something breaks, there's something else to take its place. And if that thing breaks, there's a third thing to take its place. The, you know, you have hundreds of people up in the air. You want to make sure they get on the ground safely. You want the, the, the pilot to have a plane that works. And you just don't want to turn stuff off. There isn't really a reason in flight to turn things off. And I've looked around and as far as I know, there is no emergency checklist that a pilot is going to pull and it's going to tell him in the, in the heat of the moment, do, do X, Y, and Z and in order to isolate the last So this is why bus. we're calling this also the Irish goodbye, which I think is a funny and hilarious way of describing this thing. I think I even like it better than the uh, unplugging. A... Neither of us is Irish, so we might get in <laughs> uh, trouble. Okay. Well, I think Irish I think people they're are okay with it, cool right? I think they're, they're, they're cool with it. I guess, yeah, we're gonna find out. I guess we're going to find out. If Victor's not mad at you now, he's going to be mad at you soon. He's not Irish. Well, then someone else will be. Okay. okay. No, no, Sorry, no. no. The reason people. I'm bringing this up, okay? I love Irish They're people, great. by the way. The reason I'm bringing this up, Jeff, is because we yeah. can imagine why someone would want to hypothetically turn this stuff off. What we can't imagine is why someone would hypothetically want to turn it back on. Because upon turning the SDU back on, they provided us with a ton of evidence that we wouldn't have gotten had they just left it right. off. So it's not only how did they turn it off, why did they turn it off, it's how did they turn it on, why did they turn it on, and what was the timing be because of all of this stuff. It's unprecedented. Yeah. There's two really important points that I want people to take home from this episode, which is that to my mind, not to Victor's, this is the this is the gist of my disagreement with Victor. To my mind, this whatever happened vis-a-vis -vis the powering and, and, and depowering of the of the SDU, it implies two things. Um, it implies the sophistication to do something pretty radical, and it also implies a motive to do something radical. And in the nine and a half years since this plane disappeared. There has been an extensive and ongoing discussion amongst people who care about this stuff to try to come up with a reason as to why you would do this. And as I've said, some of them seem okay, but they have problems. Um, I think that the problem with Victor's suggestion that he wanted to prevent someone from making a call is that there's a much easier way to do it. Yeah. Um, other people have suggested that the plane, that the person who stole the plane wanted it to be more fuel efficient. And so they actually depowered the entire electrical system in order to save um, yeah, fuel. Yeah, but that one's Because that, then that the, one's the engines wouldn't that have to run the bonus. generator. I mean, you looked into this. We've all looked into this. And the amount of energy that you would save by disconnecting this stuff isn't enough to make an impact on the overall range of the plane. I don't, I don't, I, I think it's a fairly ridiculous idea, but what's remarkable is that it was suggested by by somebody who has like a lot who is tr who's who is a very respectable person, and I think that the reason that that respectable person had to suggest that is because there are no good ideas. Yeah, so it's like turning and off so, your lights to if you're running, you know, if you're running on empty, you know, just 
turn up. Like, and the cops yeah. are chasing you. Turn off your lights. You might get a little bit more gas out of it. That's not gonna. That's... Yeah, it's like riding. It's like driving. I've said it's like driving on the highway with your lights off to save gas. Um, it doesn't make a lot of sense, but but nothing makes sense. Um, and there was, there are a lot of other scenarios that people have suggested, and perhaps in response to this episode, people will. I, I wouldn't be surprised if some people raise their hand and say, well, we, you haven't considered, um, you know, maybe who's trying to depower the, the um, cockpit voice recorder. That's some, another idea that's Do been we have loaded. time to talk about there's that one in this episode things. or should we save that for another one? Because there's an answer to that um, also. Um, I think that we should, for, unless people are clamoring for it, let's leave it. I think the long and short answer is that it doesn't really work. But you know um, why. I, 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 that's the best part. Is, do I know? Yeah, you do know why it's not going to work. Okay, well, you you want to talk about it? You let's talk hey, about we're it. Only, talk yeah, about we're, we're kind of short. But the reason, so this is an obvious one. The reason that 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 plan wouldn't work is because anyone who knows anything about black boxes is that they re-record over themselves. So if this was a six-hour flight, right? Uh, disabling the black box, which actually probably could have happened given this left AC bus, as well as a couple other things, right? It wouldn't have had any effect, right? It would have been overwritten well, anyway. What it, what it would have, what it, it would have had the effect of preserving right. the right. first it two hours of the flight. It would have had a negative effect if someone was trying to abscond with it. Right. So if something happened in the cockpit that you didn't want people to record, that you didn't want someone to ultimately, you know, hear, then you would you would be defeating your own purpose because you would prevent it from being written Right. Over. So, again, at the foreshadowing, and I'm sorry, but uh, if... if if whoever took this plane or whatever happened to this plane was designed to fully conceal what happened to this plane, then a lot of these things wouldn't have happened. Breadcrumbs were left for the right. smartest, most sophisticated people to figure out what really happened to it. Okay, so I think there's another point I'd like to make here, which is that if you... So a lot of people who talk about MH370 just talk about that these um that the satcom system existed right or that they if they talk about it at all they, they just say what was left on accidentally um and and that indeed was what we when we when we first heard that this plane had generated this inmarsat data i think we all assumed that it had just right. been left on as a matter of oversight because it's not something pilots usually right. know about um so but if that's what you think uh, you're starting in a hole, like you're really you're, you're you're overlooking what I think is is an absolutely crucial piece of evidence about this case, and so, um, so why? Right yeah. off the bat, if you know that this happened, if you know that this box was turned off and back on again, already you're dealing with a powerful piece of evidence. Again, as I say, it, it implies sophistication, and then kind of an inscrutable motive. Meaning these people clearly had reasons to do what they did, but we don't know why. We can't understand why. And this is important for my whole mindset as to why I felt it became necessary to propose an alternate explanation to the mainstream view. Because the mainstream view is Victor's view, which is like, no big deal. The satellite data came on, no big deal. We don't worry about it. It just happened. Let's like keep moving on. And because this boot, this the, 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 the uh, SATCOM system wasn't just deselected from the CDU easily from the cockpit, but it was done a really hard and obscure way. What we wind up with is a plane that is in an electrical configuration that I don't think any plane has ever been in before or since. And so we can't just talk about this data as if, of course, this plane created this data. This plane created a unique set of data that had some very unique properties that define this mystery. 
So when we talk about MH370 being this like absolutely perplexing mystery, it's perplexing because of the characteristics of this data, which all of which arose out of an event that we can't explain. And that's that's really the that's the whole thing. That's that's why we have this podcast. Everything we think we know about this case depends on an event that no one has been able to come up with a good explanation for. Right. So Victor says, I have a good explanation. And I'm saying, let's look at your explanation, because I think it's actually more problematic than you're saying. There's another little twist to this detail that hasn't gotten a lot of attention, um, which is that, remember, the plane left Malaysian military radar, and we know there's a point where it was last seen, right? And then three minutes later, it sends the first ping. And so we know that between that last radar point and the last ping, the plane was flying to the northwest, right? Now, if you measure the distance from the last radar return to the first ping, the distance is too short for the amount of time that this plane was traveling. Now, there's two ways to explain it. Either it decelerated somewhat dramatically or it turned. Um, and maybe I'll try to get a graphic to you so we can sort of say what, what we mean by that. But so either it decelerated or it turned. Now, it, planes don't really want to decelerate. For one thing, we've seen this plane flying like a bat out of hell. It seems to be trying to get as far as it can, as fast as it can. It doesn't seem like it wants to go slow. And so let's assume that it turned. If it turned, it turned to the northwest. It turned north. Now, Victor acknowledges this. The IG acknowledges this. They explain it that they think that maybe the pilot or whoever took the plane was trying to avoid oncoming traffic. So they were leaving because previously they'd been on an airway route, right? They, it was, it's like a highway in the sky. But the thing about highways in the sky is that they are 40,000 feet high, right? So it's not like running to somebody on a, on a, if you're driving the wrong way down a highway because you're both at the same altitude, zero. If you're, if you're coming to, some, if you're heading directly towards somebody on an airway, you're probably at a different altitude, especially if you're flying like illegally in the dark, right? So their explanation is that, the, is that the plane turned because they were trying to get off. They were temporarily getting off the airway and then they turned south later. But the thing that I just want to, it's a fairly minor point, but I think it's quite intriguing, is that when it was last seen transitioning from radar to Inmarsat data, the plane was turning to the north. And in fact, it was turning pretty much onto the heading that a northern BTL route would take you. It's not dispositive. It's not proof that the plane went north. But the last time we saw this plane, it was going north. I'm not going to lie to you, Jeff. I barely understand what you just said to me <laughs> in the last two minutes. And I think okay. that's good because I think that is a good okay. place to pause this because I want to elaborate more in the next episode about okay. the reasons this plane could have gone north instead of south. Well, first we have to talk about why they why the authorities think it went south, which is in in, in the BFO data. So we'll talk about why. And we'll also talk about how I was humiliatingly forced to admit that I was wrong. Yeah, that must have sucked. Um, in print, I had to. My editor made me write an apology column, um, which I didn't which, which which I didn't want to do, but it was because of the BFO data. Um, so I have been. I have taken my licks on this story. I will admit. There's a um, sense of humility I, you, you know, have I, to have in telling this story because a lot of oh things God. happen that are, at the time, not easily explained. And you're putting your name out there. And you're putting yeah. your name out there now. I, I like to say that I've had my ass hanging in the wind 
a lot. Okay. And I think that that I think I deserve some credit for that because I made some predictions that that did turn out to be right. Actually, I made some that were wrong. Okay. And so, All right. Well, we're gonna do the best but, we can to, I know to, I just... to to exonerate you in this podcast. Okay. You were confused by what I was saying. For the for our video listeners, I'm gonna we'll, we'll put some um, some graphics that will explain what I'm talking about. Which is a great reason why the audio listeners should be the video listeners. But we'll come back to that. We love audio listeners. We love too. them. If you want to like listen in the car on your way to work, that's fantastic. But yeah. whether you're listening on Apple Podcasts or watching on YouTube, we would like you to like, subscribe, leave comments. The comments are the things that got us to exactly where we are today because we talked a lot about them. That's right. We do listen to you. We're we reading care them. what you think and we and we want to know yeah. your thoughts. This is for you. I mean, that's why we're doing this. And so, yeah, I mean, not to like seem too desperate, but like if you could, if you do like this show and you would and you think that other people would like it too, it would really help us reach those other people if you could like, subscribe, all those things that push you all said. those buttons, please, um, and push all the buttons and rate us and review us, and that really helps. And I, Andy and I are doing this like kind of out of a sense of mission because I think, it, as we've said over and over again, it's like this is a really important case, and it's important for people to understand why it's an important case. And we're going to keep on doing that. We'll be back at you next week with episode seven, which is thus far untitled, but. We got a little time to do that. We, we think it's going to be about BFO, but we're obviously not. BFO is a BFD. Um, I'm going to try not to swear on this podcast, but thank you, Jeff, for taking the time today. And uh, I got thanks, some work Andy. to do. Let's get back at it. Yeah. Thank you. Okay, great. Thanks, Andy. Thanks for listeners. Bye.